Hi, I'm Nolan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. You know, for those of you guys watching online and for all of us in the room, we want to celebrate something to start out with. This is the first Sunday with all of our Roots Age kids with us in the room. Can we honor them? So that's five years old through fifth grade, and they're with us for June and July, and we are just fired up to have you guys in here with us. And parents of Roots Age children, I have a question, okay? Now answer this if you want something. So I'm trying to get you to do this. So uh, raise your hand if you have at least one Roots Age child in here in the gathering space. Raise your hand. Okay. Got hands all over. Keep your hands up if you have two. Keep your hands up if you have three. Is anybody? Is that... No, she still counts, fifth grade. It hasn't been promoted yet. Let's go. Here we go. Can we give it up for Corey and the Arbs? Here we go. We'll give you guys one, too, just for fun, okay? Who else had two? Was there anybody else with two? Anybody else? Right back here. Okay, we got some extra gift cards. We can, we can do this. Here we go. Don't tell Kristen I gave all of these away. I think there's somebody with two over here. Is that it? Wow, you guys are really honest, and I respect that. Okay, that was your moment. Nobody would have known. You'd be like, oh, the kid's really the same. No, I'm just kidding. So, but we just love that we get to be together. And today is special because we are honoring Tom Bowler and Gene Chastain for their time that they've served as elders. So they are actually both in this gathering. So could we honor them? I think Tom was an elder before we even had thought of the concept, um, and Gene has served for the past year. And so after this time, if you guys want to both talk to them and thank them and meet our current elder team, depending on rain, they'll either be, we'll either all be on the front lawn or under the awning right after this gathering. So my question to kick us off is to, to answer this, you've got to imagine yourself in another scene. Okay, can you guys do that? You got your imagination going? Imagine yourselves in another scene. So, so here's the question. Who are you at a sporting event? Who are you at a sporting event? Now, if you don't like sports, I got you. I have another analogy. And if neither one of these fit you, just let me know afterwards and I'll work on it for next time. Okay, but who are you at a sporting event? I am mildly, um, that's probably an understatement, obsessed with the NBA playoffs right now. I love playoff basketball. I'm on my ESPN app way too much, just checking scores and watching Kawhi drop 45 in game six and all this stuff that has consumed my mind. But what I've noticed is with the vaccines available, um, with what the CDC said, is that arenas are filling up. And it seems like each playoff game, there's more people in the arenas. Baseball stadiums are filling up. Any Braves fans in the house? Okay. Um, and that means that SEC football stadiums are projected to be full in the fall. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, I thought, like, there's got to be some SEC people who are like, is it football season yet? Forget baseball. Yes. All right, it's got some balls fans. Um, so, Nick Saban's still around, by the way. Anyway, okay, so, um, what, what I'd love for you to think about is who are you in that environment? And look, maybe you're the person that wears the jersey. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you're the jersey person. Like you walk in decked out in the jersey and, and you don't even like sit down. Like from the moment that you enter that arena, that stadium, you are just absolutely going crazy. Maybe you're like me and you're too cheap to buy a jersey, but you are kind of a fanatic. And so you're wearing some gear and you're up and down, up and down. And when they're going crazy, when they score, you're you know jumping and yelling, maybe that's you. Maybe you're the type of person that just sits back and has a hot dog and has some popcorn, and sips a Coke or Dr. Pepper. Anybody? No, no, no. Okay. 
and sips of Coke or Dr. Pepper, and when everybody else in the stadium's going crazy, you're just like, that was good. Cool, that's you, okay? We, we all kind of hit this in different areas. Now, if you're not into sports, who are you at a concert? Okay, so imagine your favorite artist, you get to be at a concert. So are you the person that literally stands up at the concert the whole time? That those of us who don't stand up are like, why am I behind them? Like, can I move seats? Like, cause now I've got to stand up because you won't sit down. Like literally, why you paid for a seat, just sit down, at least at the beginning. Like they haven't started yet, maybe that's you. Maybe you're the merch person. You're decked out in merch. You've got everything. You're down and up. I know for me at a concert, like the way I am is, um, I, I, again, too cheap to buy merch, but I am like, did you hear that? That was awesome. Like I'm engaging. I'm up and down. Or maybe you're just quiet and maybe you're sitting back and the way you love it is just by processing it and letting all the crazy people like me go on around you, but you're just chill. Look, however you are, there's no right or wrong way. I just kind of have some uh, awareness of how I am and I've realized where I fit in this by, by just acknowledging the fact that when I watch football at my house in my living room, there are points in the game where I stand up. And my wife, Whitney, is like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is good. Like, I'm like walking in the living room, you know, like, I just can't, like, I get so excited. So who are you in those environments? Hold that thought. We'll come back to it in a little bit. Today, we're starting a new series called A Blueprint for Living. And this is a journey through Colossians, a blueprint for living. So first, the title. I wanna give credit to our creative director, Mitchell Hartley. He had this idea of a blueprint and the more that we prayed about it and thought about it and then studying, I'm even more fired up about it than I was when we decided on it. I mean, so credit to him for coming up with this idea. And we're gonna be going through Colossians. Colossians is a letter written by Paul who was one of the founders of the early church. It's written to a specific church in Colossae. But in chapter four, he says, hey, make sure you pass this on to the church at Laodicea. So he wanted this message to go beyond just this city. I don't think he quite saw us, but it has gone beyond Laodicea, even all the way down through the ages to us. So the idea of a blueprint for living. We'll explain that title more in a little bit. Now the content, how do we get to Colossians. Cody Disney, our worship pastor, leading into a worship night that we had at the end of April, he challenged the team to read through Colossians, to anchor their lives in Colossians in preparation for that night. Afterwards, he said, man, this is so deep, it's so rich, let's stay there, and challenge the team just to stay in it. And so I actually was thinking about another letter that Paul wrote going through, and then really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, maybe we should all as a church stay in Colossians. I started floating that idea out, and every time I did, it was like, yes, yes, and yes, so that's how we ended in Colossians and or landed here. And the invitation is that we journey through Colossians together. That during the month of June, that all of us, whether we follow Jesus or not, that we actually read through Colossians. And our team has prepared a Colossians Bible study for you. So if you don't have the public church app, I encourage you to download that. You can even do that right now. And just look for Colossians Bible study under media, and you're gonna find a study that just walks you through. It's got a reading plan for the month. Because the goal, the invitation, is that all of us would walk through this together. Now, the big question is why? So Jesus followers, why should you take some time to read through Colossians? The reality is that God's word is the primary way that he refines us. And that word refine means to more precisely align us with who Jesus is and what Jesus asks us to do. So there is no way for us to follow Jesus for the long haul unless we are consistently reading and then living the word. That's why as a church, one of our core values says we anchor our lives in the truth of God's word. 
We had a series over this year on rhythms to sustain. One of our rhythms, the first one actually, said let the word reveal so Jesus can heal. So this is essential. If you don't follow Jesus, why should you read through Colossians? Because, for crying out loud, do not listen to what we say about Jesus. Explore him yourself. Don't just listen to us. Don't take our word for it. Explore him yourself, and you have that opportunity by reading through Colossians. So as you go on that study, we're actually using the SOAP method. I'm not going to explain it because it's explained there, but here's why we're using that message. We're trying to give you a tool so that if you don't study the word and you've not been doing that, or if you've been struggling to have a strategy, that, that SOAP is something you can use beyond Colossians. The goal is this would kickstart our time in the word and then beyond Colossians, we would continue to be in the word and we have a tool that helps us do that. So I am super fired up about this journey that we're gonna go on. And so you guys are smart. Where do you, what book do you think we're gonna be in today? We're gonna be in? Oh, you guys are with it. I like it. So we're in Colossians chapter one, if you have your Bible or Bible app, and we're gonna launch from a prayer that Paul prayed starting in verse nine. And so what we're gonna do is just pray this prayer. I, I wanna pray it over us. And I wanna invite you to maybe even consider praying this prayer weekly maybe. Maybe it's every Sunday morning. You just pray this over your family, over our church family, over your friends. But we just wanna set the tone by praying this powerful prayer that Paul prayed. It's actually gonna be on the screen. So if you wanna just pray this um, in your seat or as you're watching online, you're welcome to. So let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be consistent in praying for our church, for your church, even for people who don't know you. And Father, here's what we ask. We ask that you give us complete knowledge of your will and give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so that the way we live will always honor and please you, Jesus. Jesus, would you lead us so that our lives will produce every kind of good fruit? And in this process, in this journey, I pray that we grow as we learn to know you, Jesus, better and better and better. Jesus, we also pray that you will strengthen us with all of your glorious power so we will have all the endurance and patience we need, and we need it. We need your endurance. We need your patience. Fill us with your joy, not happiness that's based on circumstances, but joy that's rooted in who you are, and let our hearts overflow with thanksgiving. Father, as we go on this journey, as we're changed, may we just thank you, because you, Father, you've enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to your people. You have enabled us to walk and live in the light. So throughout this journey, Holy Spirit, let this prayer, let these words be actualized in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I love what Paul does here because he gives this prayer and then maybe you read that, maybe you heard that, maybe later on you're reading this and processing and going, can that happen? Can, can that prayer actually happen in my life? Like what's praying? Paul says, here's why that prayer can happen. Verse 13, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Why can this prayer become a reality in our lives? Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything Jesus did. Not because of anything we could ever do, but because of everything Jesus did. It says Jesus rescued us that he want, went on a rescue mission that supersedes any rescue mission that our elite army forces, the rangers, the seals, it supersedes any rescue mission they've ever gone on to secure a high value asset, and that's you, and that's me. 
And that's every single person who has ever been born or ever will be born because Jesus values us that much. And he put in a transfer for us. And the transfer is that we be transferred from the kingdom of darkness and shame and secrecy and habitual sin to the kingdom of the light and freedom, the kingdom where Jesus reigns. And you know why that transfer got approved? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. There was a ransom that was owed, a penalty that we owe because of all the mistakes we have made and Jesus paid it all. But I'm glad he didn't just pay it all. He also forgave us. Because you can bail out a friend and then hold that over their heads for the rest of their life. Hey, remember that night you called me and it was 2 a.m. and you know, I came and we're not gonna talk about the, you should remember that. Now you owe me forever. That's not how Jesus works. That's not grace. Grace is undeserved mercy that gets poured out and poured out and poured out because of everything Jesus has done. He didn't just purchase our freedom. He forgives our sins. And so here in this letter, right after the prayer, here's what Paul does so beautifully. He says, uh, let me introduce you to the main character. His name is Jesus. Let, let me introduce you to the focal point of Colossians. His name is Jesus. And then he's gonna give us this creed, kind of a poem that's gonna just center us on who Jesus is. Here's what he says in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God that Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. That Jesus made the things we can't see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He, Jesus, existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So here's what Paul's doing as an author. When he introduces this creed in verse 15, what he's doing is he's just turning up the energy to his original audience. And what should be happening is he's turning up the energy even in this room or whatever room you're watching from. So I'm gonna return to this question. Who are you at a sporting event? Who are you at a concert, because the thing that wells up inside of us at a concert or sporting event should be welling up inside of us when, when uh, Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20 is read. Because what Paul's saying is, it's all about Jesus. He's unrivaled, he's supreme. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, and it is Jesus. So, emotion, zeal, some passion should be stirred deep within all of us who follow Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to manufacture anything because it's not about trying to be somebody you're not. The invitation is just be who you are everywhere. Whoever you are at that sporting event or concert, be that when this is read. 
So if you're quiet, if you love just sitting back and enjoying things, man, be you. Feel the freedom to just be you. The problem comes when at the sporting event or the concert, we're jerseyed up, merched up, we're going crazy, we're losing our voice, and then we get to this and it's like, Jesus is God. Mm, that's good. Good. The Tennessee Vols hit a walk-off Grand Slam two days ago, and it's like, let's go! For all the fullness of God was made to dwell in him. Mm. Feel that. <laughs> when there's a discrepancy. So, so what we feel at a Justin Timberlake concert, anybody, anybody, anybody got tickets? Anybody want to buy me tickets? Just saying. What we feel, there should be some type of feeling in us as we read this. Why? Because we've been changed by Jesus. We've been transformed by Jesus. And, and so if we don't have something going on inside of us, if there's a discrepancy between who we are at a concert and who we are when we sit down to read Colossians 1, 15 through 20, we gotta dig. Have I become jaded to Jesus? When somebody like me gets to talk about the story of Jesus and he crucified and rose again, am I just like, oh yeah, that's for the people who don't follow him yet. Let's move on to something fresh and new. We gotta got ask some of those tough questions. So what I would like to do as we go through this is give you permission just to be you. Whoever you are at the concert venue, whoever you are in the arena, just be you. So for those of us who are going a little crazy or is like, that's so good, like you can do that, okay? For those of you who are calm, you can look at us just like you do in those environments and be like, I'm so glad I'm not with them, okay? This is a free space to be you because here's what is going on here. In this creed, there's three big ideas. There's so much here, but three big things that we wanna center ourselves in. And here is the first one. If you want to know God, explore Jesus. If you wanna know God, explore Jesus because here's what it says, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. In the message, it says this, we look at this son, we look at Jesus, and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the son and see God's original purpose in everything he created. Who is God? He's revealed in Jesus. And Paul, in Acts 17, he says, God's not far. He's actually near. James, the brother of Jesus, says, if you want to experience God, then draw near to him. Who are we drawing near to? We're drawing near to Jesus. If questions about the character of God, we look at Jesus. We explore Jesus. We dive into Jesus. Because in verse 19, it says that all the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. Everything that God is dwelled in Jesus and he reveals God to us. So for those of you who don't follow Jesus, that's why I invite you to read through Colossians because it's all about Jesus and knowing Jesus is gonna help us know God. The second thing that's huge that we see here is that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer. That Jesus is the creator and the sustainer. Paul's very clear. Everything was created through him and for him. That he's first overall. Maybe your translation says firstborn. You're like, does that mean he was born? No, what it really means is that he's unrivaled. That he preceded everything. He is supreme. 
and that Jesus created it all, and he is not a God who created it and said, oh, I hope this works out. Hey, y'all figure this out. Let's just run it out. No, no, no. He also sustains. That's how powerful he is. So practically, this means that this afternoon, if you drive out to Chilhawi, if you're out at Parksville, if you get to spend some time in the West this summer, in just some of the beautiful places in our nation, that when you look at that creation and it takes your breath away, we think of Jesus because he painted that, he orchestrated that, he put that in place. Everything is created through him. And then it means that when we look at our world and we see that it's wrecked and it's ugly and that it's just awful and seems to be spiraling out of control, we look to Jesus because he created and he's recreating. That's the story of the cross. That we have all this enmity and hostility between us and God that separates us from God and Jesus erased it all by dying on the cross because in the beginning, humans were connected to God and we messed that up because we're all so jacked up. And yet Jesus said, hey, it's not because of anything you ever could do. It's because of what I did on the cross. So now there's restoration. Now there's reconciliation. Now that relationship to God can be restored and he is recreating. He created the first heaven and earth. And if you read in Revelation, he is creating a new heaven and a new earth that all of us who follow him will get to be a part of as we are fully restored. And he sustains. He sustains the universe. And he sustains us. So when our lives feel like they're just spiraling out of control, he's got us. Even if it ends messy on this side of eternity, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. We can trust that in the end he will make all things right. He's got us. And then finally, the observation here is that Jesus is our blueprint for living. Spoiler alert. Colossians is not the blueprint. Jesus is. It's not Colossians. It's Jesus. You know what Colossians does? Paul over and over says, hey, Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. This whole book is about Jesus and who he is. So Jesus is our blueprint for living. One of my friends who doesn't follow Jesus, he gets it. He said it like this. He's like, you know those bracelets that in the 90s everybody used to wear, WWJD? Isn't following Jesus just about like asking that question, like what would Jesus do? And I'm like, you get it, why don't you follow Jesus? And yes, that's it. That constantly we would be asking that question and we wouldn't be answering it in our own power, we'd be answering it knowing that Jesus rose from the dead and we have resurrection power in that moment. So how do I treat my wife Whitney? How do I navigate tantrums for my children? How do you navigate the tense a situation you're in at work. How do we walk into that family event that's coming up in a couple months that we're already dreading? How do we live with integrity when we could do something in the office and nobody would ever know it? How do we make these decisions in our everyday life? We look to Jesus, we explore Jesus, we ask how would Jesus respond in this situation and through his resurrection power, we do that. And when we fail, we say, Jesus, you died, you paid the penalty for that mistake. Before I even made it, you forgave me, now help me to walk in a new way in your way. Because Jesus is our blueprint for living. And this language is so lofty, so exquisite, so honestly just gorgeous 
I think Paul was worried that the Colossians and the us might go, man, that is so good for somebody else. So N.T. Wright says the title, and I love this, the title for verses 21 and 22 could be, you are here. So if you're sitting here going, man, that's great for so-and-so. I'm not sure if it applies to me. Here's what Paul writes. This includes you. Can we say this? This includes me. Let's say it. This includes me. Say it one more time. This includes me. This includes you who are once far away from God. You are his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now Jesus has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I struggle with that because I got a lot of faults. But it's not talking about our behavior. It's talking about our identity. That he's put a new identity on us because of what Jesus did. And that, what this word means in the original language, is that we can't be accused of anything. That when we are accused, those accusations have no standing. Guess what a name for Satan our enemy is? The accuser. So when Satan at three o'clock in the morning wakes you up and is like, remember what you did, da, 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 da. his accusations don't have a standing because we can go back to the cross and say, Jesus kicked your tail on the cross when he rose from the dead so I can walk in freedom and I can walk in a new way. This is the message of Colossians. So what do we do with it? When we tune off this, when we walk out of this room, how, how do we live this out? If we're sitting here and we're going, man, my feelings, I, I, honestly, I just don't feel anything when I read this and, and there's no zeal and there's no passion and I, I don't even know what to do about it. Pa Paul tells us again what to do. He says, verse 23, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't, dr don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Here's what Paul says. What do we practically do? We must cling to and continue in the gospel. We must cling to and continue in the gospel. And at its base level in one sentence, the gospel is Jesus crucified and resurrected. And there's some vital details around that that we've got to get right. But that's the base level, Jesus crucified and resurrected. He says, don't just think that following Jesus is about something, a decision you made years ago, and now you're just kind of holding on to that fuzzy memory and waiting on heaven. No, you believed it long ago. Believe it in your everyday lives. What you believed back then, now walk in it today and tomorrow. Continue to stand firm in it. Something I pray for our boys, Liam and Oliver, is that they would follow Jesus at a young age and finish strong. Not that they would follow Jesus and then like, kind of taper off at the end of their life. They follow Jesus and finish strong. That's what Paul's saying he wants for us. They would follow Jesus and finish strong. I actually used to pray they would follow Jesus until their last breath. And Whitney heard me pray that and said, that's kind of morbid. And I was like, you're right. That's really morbid to pray about, you know, one and three-year-olds. So we changed it, you know, finish strong. But that's Paul's heart for us. So, so here's the really tangible challenge for us that all of us this week would write the gospel in our own words. And there's gonna be some verses on the screen with that. And so if you're going, well, what is the gospel? I'm not sure what to do. The challenge, and it'll be on the screen, is to write the gospel in your own words and to read through some of these scriptures. To read through Romans 5, 6 through 11. To read through 1 Corinthians 15. To read through one of the accounts of Jesus' 
crucifixion and resurrection, to read through Ephesians 2, yes, all of it. And that we wouldn't just hear what someone else says. We would personalize this. And we would write the gospel in our own words. We would begin to own it. Because what do we cling to? What do we hold to? What do we stand firmly in? It's the gospel. In fact, here's what Paul wrote as he was setting the tone for this letter. I'm gonna read it in the message. This is around verse five. He says this. The message, the gospel, Jesus crucified and resurrected is as true among you today as when you first heard it. Oh, that's good news. It gets better. It doesn't diminish or weaken over time. We never get over Jesus crucified and resurrected. And it's not just about us in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's the same all over the world. Here's what the gospel does. The message bears fruit and gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. That it's gonna flourish in us and lead us to flourish. It says, from the very first day you heard and recognized the truth of what God is doing, you've been hungry for more. And if you walked in today satisfied, I hope the Holy Spirit whets your appetite through Colossians and reignites that hunger in us. It's as vigorous. The gospel is as vigorous in you now as when you first learned it from our friend and close associate Epaphras. Vigorous within us. So we cling, we continue in, we stand firm in the gospel. We gotta know who Jesus is and all that Jesus did. So that's the challenge. I actually gave this challenge almost a year ago to our church. Maybe you did it then. If you did, do it again. Maybe you ignored it then, get a do-over. And if you don't follow Jesus, you're like, why should I write this? When I did it, then there's actually someone Donna, who doesn't follow Jesus, who wrote this as part of his exploration of Jesus. Yeah, I wanna really explore who Jesus is, so he wrote it out himself. Let's do that. Let's anchor ourselves in who Jesus is and cling to the gospel. So these guys are gonna lead us in a song. It's simply called Authority, and it's about who Jesus is and his power. So whenever you're ready, just stand and sing. But maybe you wanna journal for a moment. Maybe you wanna literally start writing the gospel in your own words right now. If you don't follow Jesus and you have questions, or if you just need prayer, we have somebody from our prayer team who's out in the lobby. But today the point is to recenter us, to focus us in, to zero us in on Jesus. And I pray that continues through the song. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at The Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no spaces to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.